Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us another amazing message, I Love My Family, from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, through chapter 6, verse 4. As we focus on love this month, we need to cast a light on the most immediate group of people you should show genuine love. Who is that? It is your own family. If God has given you a spouse, if God has given you children, then treat them like the precious gifts they are. If you will treat them the way God has prescribed, then they will treat you better than you deserve. I love my family, but I want to make sure that I love them the way the Spirit of God guides me to do so. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. That's good. You can have a seat. Fellas, if you don't know that Wednesday is Valentine's, you're behind. (laughs) You better get it in gear because it's coming. We want to make sure that our loved ones know that we love them. And as we've been talking about love throughout this month, I want to talk to you today about I love my family and how we can do that better. Last week, we talked about I love my church. We got home and Dina said, you didn't even tell me that you love me today. All you said was you love the church. I said, I'll tell you I love you next week. How about that? <laughs> and doggone if she ain't down the kitchen getting ready. So somebody, y'all just have to tell her, I think Tim loves you. Okay. Listen, one of the greatest blessings that you have is your family. The Bible says that every good gift... And every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. Your family is a gift from God. It might not be perfect. It might not be everything that you've always wanted it to be. You may feel like sometimes that it's running the wrong direction and rubbing you the wrong way. But the truth of the matter is that God has given you that family and there ain't nobody in the world quite like them. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says a prudent wife is from the Lord. The Bible says children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward to us. The Bible says the glory of children is their father. And a wise son brings joy to his father. And then it says this about grandchildren. It says they are the crown of old men. In fact, somebody said if they'd known how good their grandchildren were going to be, they'd just skip the children altogether and went straight to the grandchildren. I don't think it works quite that way. But as Valentine's Day approaches, we want to make sure that our families know that we know that God has given them to us, that we want to make sure that we tell them that we love them. So how do we do that? How, how is it that we do that? You know that primarily in your Bible there are two words for love, or two Greek words that are both translated as love. One is the word agape. Agape is is that love that doesn't require anything in return, and it doesn't require anything on the front end. It It is love without any conditions. In fact, every time in the Bible that God, in a sentence, when God is the subject... And love is the verb, it's always agape. God always loves us unconditionally. He loves you despite yourself. 
He loves you despite what you do and despite what you say. He loves you because that's a part of his nature. The Bible says God is love. And then he turns around and says that we're to love one another that same way. That we're to love one another unconditionally. That we're to love one another without strings attached. Now, you may think that that may be difficult when you're talking about we as a church body or you talk about other friends. I want to tell you something. It can be just as hard when you're talking about your family because your family knows, don't they? They know who you are. They know where your buttons are. They know how to pull the string. They know all that stuff, and you know it all about them too. And sometimes it's tempting to try to dig in just a little bit so that I might feel a little bit better about myself. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're to love them like God loves us. There's a second word that you'll find in your Bible. It's the Greek word phileo. I always think about McDonald's phileo fish. That, that's, not re- that's not really what it is. But if, uh, if you're familiar with the city of Philadelphia, what do we call it? It's the city of brotherly love, right? Phileo is brotherly love. It's care, it's concern, it's compassion. When Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? The first time that he asked Peter that, he's asking him, do you love me unconditionally? Peter, do you love me the way that I love you? Peter, do you love me despite what I do for you? That's what he's asking him. But then he asks him a second time and then a third time, Peter, do you phileo love me? Peter, do you care about me at all? Do you have any concern for me? Do you have any concern for my kingdom? Do you have any concern for my work? Our actions will show that, don't they? That's why Jesus tells him those three different times, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend to my flock. He tells him to take care of others in a way that we demonstrate our real love for God. You're going to demonstrate good love for God. One of the things that you can do is to love your family. How do you do that? I hope that you've got your Bible today. If you'll take it, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. There are some directions in this passage about the family. He's, Paul, as he talks, he's going to talk specifically to the wives. And he's going to say, wives, this is what you're supposed to do. And then he's going to turn to the husbands. He's going to say, husbands, this is what you're supposed to do. And then he's going to turn to the children, and he's going to say, children, this is what you're supposed to do. And then he's going to talk about the parents, he's going to say, parents, this is what you're supposed to do. So there are some roles that we find in this passage and in our families, and love is to be expressed by each one of those, to each one of those, through each one of those, and for each one of those. How do we love them? Let me give you several of these things today. Number one, I want you to see that love for your family should be spirit-filled. It should be spirit-filled. Everything in this this fifth chapter, the end of the fifth chapter, the first part of the sixth chapter, all begins with what you find in verse number 18. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse number 18, listen to what he says. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. When he talks about 
the wife. And he says, wives, this is what you're supposed to do. What he's really saying is this, wives, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, this is what you'll do. Husbands, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, this is what you will do. Children, parents, he's even going to go on in, uh, in chapter 6 and talk about employers and employees. If you are Spirit-filled, this is what you will do. That's where it all begins. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be controlled. You see the contrast that he's got there in verse number 18, right? Do not be filled with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> so when a person is filled with wine or filled with alcohol, it affects how they think. It affects how they see. It affects how they act. It affects how they react. It affects how they walk. It affects everything about them. Same thing's true when it comes to the Spirit of God. If you are filled with Him, it affects how you see. It affects how you act. It affects how you react. It affects how, how you walk. It affects everything about your life. So to be filled simply means to be controlled. On one hand, you've got people whose lives are controlled by alcohol. What he's saying is, I want your life to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Remember Jesus saying these things? I only do those things that I see the Father doing. I only speak those things that I hear the Father saying. If the Spirit of God would keep me so close to the Lord that I could be that obedient, that I only do the things that He wants me to do. I only say the things that He wants me to say. Life would be a whole lot different, wouldn't it? And especially life at home. Spirit-filled. That's where it all begins. Listen to me carefully. Unless you love Jesus first, number one, unless He's got first place in your life, You'll never be able to love other people the way that you ought to. You may tell somebody that you love them with all your heart. But if you don't love Jesus more, your heart's capacity is not where it needs to be. He lavishes His love upon us. He gives us His love. He gives us capacity to love. You can only love your family to the degree that you love Jesus. You make Him first. Be Spirit-filled. Then you're ready, really, to shower your family with love. Love ought to be Spirit-filled. Number two, love for your family should be submissive. Submissive. Let me show you what I mean. Let's keep going. This is just a great big sentence that begins in verse number 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's talking about corporate worship, isn't he? We're to come in here spirit-filled today so that we sing that way and we worship that way. The sentence continues. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So somebody's already going to say, for all things? For all things, I'm really supposed to give thanks for all things? I'll tell you this. If you are filled with the Spirit of God, 
He is in control of your life. You begin to see circumstances and situations in your life through His lens. Then you can be thankful for all things. Right? How many times have you gotten to the end of a struggle? The, the struggle that you hated, the struggle that you, that you wished away, the struggle that you prayed that God would take away. And at the end, be able to say, boy, I'm so glad God got me through that. I'm a better person today because of what I went through then. He knows what he's doing in your life. Surrender to him. Submit to him. In fact, look as the sentence concludes in verse number one. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So if we are spirit-filled, right? That's how the sentence begins. Then we're also going to be submissive to one another. I don't always have to have my way. You don't always have to have your way. My agenda, my preferences get put on the back burner. You begin to look out for the needs and the wants and the desires and the betterment of other people. You want them to be better. You want them to be stronger. And in so doing, you become that same way yourself. Submitting to one another. In fact, that's really what you're going to find when, when you begin to go through here. In fact, look at the next verse. Look at verse 22. Wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I had a lady tell me one day, I ain't submitting to no man. Okay. <laughs> you know? Now listen, first of all, it doesn't say, women, submit to every man. That's not what it says, is it? It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. That's the role in the family. It's not talking about just out here. It's as, 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 as if men get to bully women around. That's not the way that works. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Listen, the problem that that lady had was not the problem with her husband. The problem that she had was her problem with the Lord. If she would have surrendered to Him, if she would have submitted to Him, if she had been Spirit-filled, and Him too, she would submit to him. It's just the nature of things, isn't it? He's going to talk about that mutual submission all through these, these different passages. Listen, let's just keep going. Verse 23. Here's his reasoning. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... So let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Can you imagine a church saying no to the Lord? No, Lord. <laughs> we're not going to do missions. No, Lord. We're not going to proclaim the gospel. No, Lord. We're not going to worship. No, Lord. We're not going to do these things. Can you imagine? And yet you find that in home after home after home after home where they simply say, I am not going to do things God's way. Our society doesn't want you to. In the society that we live in today, everything is upside down. The wives want the husband's role. The children want the parent's role. Lazy men don't want any role. They don't want any responsibility. And none of it works like that. God's, principle, God's principles always work when they are done God's way, with God's power, with God's resources. 
So I can be submissive in that way. Let's keep going. Number three. Love for your family should be spirit-filled. It should be submissive. Number three, it should be sacrificial. It should be sacrificial. Don't love my family so that I get something back in return. I love my family simply because I love my family. I love my family because God's given me that to love my family. I love my family because He's commanded me to love my family. Any of those reasons, but all of those things lead me back to sacrifice. Now, you notice in that last passage, he kept talking about, here it is, the husband and wife, but here it is, the church and Christ. Right? That's where he's going to keep going. Look, if you will, in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. I wrote in my Bible one time, I wrote the word how. with a question mark. How, how in the world am I supposed to do that? You know, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm to love Dina sacrificially, to sacrifice for her, to not always demand of her that she do what I want to do, not always demand that I get my way or, or that the things are done for me. They're to be done for her. I'm to yield to her. I'm to submit to her. I'm to, I'm to sacrifice for her. In the same way that Christ sacrificed Himself for us. Love, by its very nature, is sacrificial. Love in its nature puts someone else first, which means then that if I am the lover, then I am the servant. The servant. My love in a relationship is not for what I can get out of it, but for what I can give to it. It's a sacrifice. Because Jesus loves us, He took the initiative. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He gave His life as a ransom for many. We're to do that very same thing within our families. Had a preacher friend that when he would do premarital counseling would always look at the groom-to-be and say, would you die for her? Would you die for her? I, I, I don't know any, any husband-to-be. I don't know any husband that would simply say, no, no, I'm not doing that. No. We would say, yes. I would lay my life on the line for that. Well, listen, if you're willing to die for her, then be willing to live for her. Make life better in your home. Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast, and he invites you to join us tomorrow for the conclusion of his message, I Love My Family, from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through chapter 6, verse 4. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.